it's absolutely true. I think the way I have been writing my book is exactly that. I'm I'm talking to the audience that I know, and I'm like, I know who, who this is for exactly. So I wonder if a publisher gets that. This is so interesting. Thank you. <laughs> I am learning a lot. <laughs> So um, so I want to start with a question because I'm thinking about this thing of how things are changing today. And we are in what is described as the creator economy with things like micropayments and supporting artists and being able to connect directly with an audience becoming more and more easy in lots of ways. Um, how do you see it as someone with the experience of sketchbook school behind you when it was a lot of these platforms, a lot of these possibilities didn't exist. You were bootstrapping your way around them. Yeah. Uh, how do you see the the new creator economy? What are some things that are particularly exciting for you? Wow. Um, well, what I have seen when we started Sketchbook School, I mean, I had like these mini communities going on in my um, online courses. And that actually happened on Facebook, which... Now I'd rather not use actually, but um, but what I loved about it is that uh, these groups of people from all over the world would actually become friends, or people would actually discover that they lived close to each other, and then they would meet up. Uh, at some point, a group uh, of my online course just draw it. Um, did like an exchange of um, sketchbooks. So everyone bought one sketchbook, did a drawing in it, and then they send it to the next one. So it rotated. And then at the end, you would get your sketchbook back with like 20 or 30 drawings in it from all your classmates. I think those things are so great about, about communities. And it's one of the things that were huge when we started sketchbook school as well, how people connected with each other. I was actually really surprised, like so amazed how important that actually was, the value that we gave. Of course, it was the value of the courses, but we were always working on, you know, um, uh, the uh, production value and it has to, had to be really good quality and we were really working on that while people were like yeah it looks great but I have made 20 friends just now you know and I'm making more and more so I think that um, is something that has only grown with you know all the platforms that have been popping up with online uh, courses and stuff like that um, I think it's also what what it can really be of value for, you know, Patreon, buy me a coffee. It's sort of mini communities because I talked to a friend of mine who had a Patreon account and then she decided to close it because she said it was just too demanding, too much work, uh, too many expectations. She just didn't like the way it worked for her. And she said, the only thing I miss about it is that club because it was, it felt like a club of 
well, it was her club. People were actually paying to belong to her club. And I think that is really something that is now developing on all kinds of levels, which I really love because we're all in different places. We're all, you know, online in different time zones. We are now having like a three-hour conversation um, remotely as if we are sitting side by side. I wish, by the way, that we would just draw and talk, but maybe at some point we can do that. But um yeah, so I think that is something um, really interesting that is still developing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point. Actually, you're you're right. I hadn't. Uh, I'm looking at sketchbook school now with the perspective of being in 2021 and thinking about the things you didn't have then that yeah. you could have had, which we have now. But it's also true that when it started, was also the boom of social media across yeah. the world. And there was this incredible joy of being able to form communities. Mm-hmm. And today, the way people talk about uh, even the creator economy, the biggest advantage of it they talk about is this fact that, and this is a big boon to any creator involved in these community building, that it does not need your effort as much, but the idea that you can have a community and that community can become organic and self-sustaining Mm-hmm. beyond requiring you to intervene and start every conversation yeah. it can uh, it reaches a critical threshold beyond which it sustains itself and new people come to it or old people interact about new things and it grows in value further and further and your job has been simply to facilitate the creation of this community you're yeah. the reason they came here but you don't need to be the reason that they stay yeah exactly and actually that also happened with the weekend workshop that i taught it was a group of 20 people and we uh, made like a WhatsApp group just mm-hmm. to share locations so people would be in time on the right location, stuff like that. And I created that WhatsApp group, put every, everyone in it, edit everyone, and I, I notified them like this is just for one week and then we'll close this. And after, you know, after half a day, someone said, can 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 you make me the owner of the WhatsApp group because we don't want this group to go. We want to keep in contact, and they are now you know drawing together and they are sending each other pictures. So even there, you know, in a in a weekend's time, and of course that's an in person workshop, so it's even quicker to make friends. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's um, I think it's really interesting how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm thinking about the kind of work that you are trying to do and the idea that you generally say about, you know, thinking about how much work it needs from you, how many hours it demands from you. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is very important to me as well, because for good reasons and bad, I like to work on by myself. Like I like to create things by myself. I like to uh, be respond answerable to myself in that sense but that means that there are certain things that i that are too big for me to do because i'm by myself mm-hmm. so i'm always thinking about how i want to do things which enable me to do more things so for example i'm i want to learn from sketchers therefore i have a podcast because the what the pandemic did to me was that like you were talking about that it's so much fun to hang out around sketchers to look over their shoulders and see them do something and then you know you can also do this or you ask them a question and they say something incredible and then that 
helps you and the pandemic snatched that away from us just like that yeah. no more hanging out no more sketch crawls and partly the reason i started this podcast was that i still wanted to keep learning and i thought okay i can this is a good way for me to keep learning and also to make a new product which i can share with other people and then maybe that can become a thing and now it's 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 a thing so it's i like this idea of doing one thing and then it becoming multiple other things from it yeah you're a gardener yeah i yeah, love that right. i really love that analogy sorry i keep <laughs> yeah, on yeah, it, to it's the lovely gardener. it is actually <laughs> So I'm also thinking now about uh, your work and do do you have ideas around this like the kind of things that you like doing and then the different products that you can diversify that into let's let's think about your abstract art for example and the youtube channel is of course paying off in so many ways it gives you so much material for books for example but have you thought about it with respect to your your studio work or something else I think it's a little bit too early but um the intuitive painting i have at some point when i was doing that i have been thinking you know i have space i could invite 10 people and do a workshop about intuitive painting i mean i'm learning it here so i can i can explain to people how they should do it i have all the materials hmm, that could be a business model <laughs> so i i think there's you know an entrepreneur inside of me that always drops these ideas but i should not always take it so seriously uh, especially when i'm i'm still really you know at the beginning of it and i i just don't want to i wanted to say pollute it but i don't know if that's too harsh but i do think that the abstract art right now is really something that is so close to uh, myself so personal that i i wouldn't want to create something business model out of it but who knows at some point i might yeah that's that's a fair point uh, so for, i have i had that experience so you've enjoyed teaching so much and i have taken a lot from teaching as well i so when i lived in the netherlands i was at the tu delft and i was doing a phd program so i was also teaching at that time and teaching is like liz said and she also incidentally got it from someone else who was a sketcher that it's the most aggressive form of learning and i completely agree and i started giving some art classes on zoom in the pandemic and i had that same experience that it reinforced and so many ideas that were just uh, not so solid in my head i was doing them but i the foundations were not as strong but teaching made those foundations really really strong right but i realized after doing it for a couple of months that this is way more exhausting <laughs> than i wanted oh, yeah. to be yeah and a 3 hour zoom session would just wipe me out like i didn't have the energy for anything else for the next 2 days and i didn't want that like i didn't want my sundays to be this and so i decided that it's not something that i can do at least not in the way that i would do it if i had to organize it and do it and run it and all the things around it myself it's not something i can do if i have a small role in it if if the 3 hours is my only role in it then it's something yes. i can do yes so if it would be a symposium or some kind of event where you would be invited and do your mm-hmm. thing that will work yeah, yeah. I, i totally get that i i i mean yes <laughs> 
<laughs> because I've done that. Yeah, doing everything by yourself. Yeah, right, right. So I was just thinking of a random idea about while you were talking about the abstract artwork. Um, have you looked at how, how the way people uh, live stream their art or any kind of activity that they're in? So do you know? Have you used or have you seen Twitch? No, I haven't. No. But I did think about actually putting like a webcam or a camera, just actually a camera, uh, even if it was for myself to see how that whole process works. Um, because I make decisions and I forget about them. But if you see it, you know, you can just do, put it on, I don't know, multiple speed, then you can actually see how something develops. And that could actually be really interesting to put online for others to see. Absolutely. True, yeah. So again, thinking of two different products here from the same activity that you would anyway otherwise do. So you're anyway going to spend a given number of hours in your studio, at least for the foreseeable future. That is something you want to keep doing. Mm-hmm. So two products. Firstly, what you mentioned that if you have a camera and you record something and then you later put a time-lapse feature on it, so it becomes like mm-hmm. a digestible 10-minute or 30-minute yeah. video. Exactly. It becomes a useful thing for you to see the evolution of your piece and it becomes an attractive thing for somebody else to see as the evolution of your piece. But uh, the thing that I was thinking initially is something that's been happening from way before the creator economy, like since maybe 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. gamers have been doing this online, which is that they just on a platform like Twitch, they live stream themselves playing and an audience is literally just watching them play. And these platforms are super monetized. So they're the one of the first micro transaction based platforms mm-hmm. creator to audience platforms that existed and now it's expanded to art as well so there are many platforms in which people just live stream themselves so the same camera which is recording could also be live streaming you and you wouldn't do it on instagram because i think instagram is a very terrible medium for that youtube could be a great medium for that because youtube is angling towards it And if you have an audience that is already your audience, then I think it's very much easier to move them to another second platform. So if you did choose to do it on Twitch, because Twitch has these monetization things enabled, so you can connect it to Patreon or buy me a coffee so they can, while watching you, simply click a button and buy you a coffee because they liked what you just did this moment. Right, right. So what's interesting to me about that is that it's not more work for you. Right, And it becomes another product. The live streamed product is something that people appreciate. And then, of course, you have the recording to do multiple other things with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's that's really smart. I think it's a good idea. And um, I think that's the entrepreneurial mindset, too, because I was thinking about that, too. Um, Like, I always look at the things that I do, how I can repurpose. So... Maybe at some point, a bunch of blog posts could become an ebook, you know, or um, something that I wrote many years ago on my blog could actually become uh, a Draw Tip Tuesday video. Or, you know, so I think things that you are doing anyway, um, it's also always very good to think about. How can I use them in different ways? I think that's a really, I I think it's good to have an entrepreneurial mindset like that as a creator because you're making it anyway. And yeah, why not put a camera on it if you're doing it anyway and it 
if you you know don't feel confident about getting it out there then at least you have recorded your process and you learn something i love it exactly yeah. exactly right exactly right in that same spirit have you thought about uh, independent publishing for your work so you mentioned an ebook for example ebook is essentially independent publishing except yeah. in the digital field yeah the the ebooks that i have done are just like pdfs that people can then download you know mm-hmm. um for my book i'm like well if no publisher wants it i'm going to self publish but i'm not there yet mhm so uh, i'm asking because i self published in 2019 i oh, did and it was an incredible experience for me like i think it was tell me about it it was also a time that i was building an audience so i didn't have a big audience at that time Mm-hmm. but uh, so i took some very specific decisions reasons for why i self published over the traditional route and i think maybe now in terms of a creator with a global audience it applies really nicely so uh, i'll give you some of my reasons so traditional publishing the idea is that a publisher in order to be interested in you the economics has to work for them yeah and a, any publisher is geographically limited mm mm-hmm. so they would uh, a dutch publisher would primarily want your audience to be in the netherlands yeah and maybe a broader audience is nice because of online sales but uh, then the other obstacle that comes is is the economics of scale for them things work out for them if they anticipate 10000 sales or something like that i'm mm-hmm. not sure about the number but that number is different for an organization like a publishing company versus an individual like you yeah so can a sale of 2000 copies which would not be good necessarily for a publisher does that mean that it's not good for an individual for an individual 2000 sales could mean incredible amount so my self published book for uh, reference was 500 copies of which i still hold 100 copies with me right next to me actually right now in four boxes there are the my last 100 copies so i've only sold 400 and they've done me financial benefit like i broke even in my whole uh, printing endeavor i broke even after a month yes, since then right. everything is profitable mm-hmm. the second big advantage of having done this was that and i have spoken after my conversations with other guests everybody who's had a book published i've also asked them about why they did this especially the guys who do the urban sketching handbooks yeah with quarto i asked them why did you do it like is it working out for you and in what way is it working out for you so the common answer is that firstly it doesn't work out financially like it's not it's not it's not a benefit in the financial aspect right the perceived benefit is that it gets your name out there more people know about you and there is the prestige factor associated with somebody has published my book mm-hmm. i have a book published by so and so person right so it's going to be discovered hopefully it will lead to more returns down the line but uh i kind of push against these ideas because now the prestige factor is wearing away because uh, we don't have the same reverence for institutions as we did even 5 years ago sure. people are in fact interested in people who are self made and underdogs nobody thinks that you need to be certified by penguin in order to be called a writer you can be a writer and then penguin recognizes you after the fact and this is understood now mm-hmm. and secondly i realized that uh i was thinking about how the the things that i want to do with my book 
those things don't align with what a publisher might want independent publishing gives you that freedom that you play your game and so other than prestige the other big thing that a traditional publisher gets you is an audience right and that is getting uh, becoming a weaker argument every year they are not actually finding you an audience more no, and more publishers they, want you to find your audience exactly. already exactly and they are like how how is your audience how what how's your reach how that's mm-hmm. all the what you talk about when you so uh, you've already okay. done the work Proposing, to find yeah. the buyers all you're doing is you are bringing in a middleman <laughs> who will then take most of your money and give you a fixed sum and make you work according to their rules for a lot of hours so one of my questions to alex hilkerts was how much did you have to work for this book and did you do you think you got paid enough and he said i definitely didn't get paid enough like considering the number of hours i put in right and i look at my book which was just 400 copies sold at this point and i feel like i got so much from it like i'm so delighted with what i did because i found my audience my audience was geographically the little town that i was living in so i knew that more people are not going to be like purely the subject is not going to interest more people because who cares about eau claire wisconsin other than people living around eau claire wisconsin so the audience is very small but mm. they really care about it yes yeah secondly yeah. the second audience is people who follow my art so they're not interested in eau claire wisconsin but they are interested in sneaky art Right. So they would want to buy it from me and that's already an audience that I'm developing. Mm-hmm. I don't need where does the publisher come into this? What is yeah. he getting me again? So I thought about these things for a while. I spoke to a couple of literary agents. They told me that indeed self-publishing is better for you because literary agents are not on behalf of a publishing agency. They're independent. Mm-hmm. So they represent independent public uh, writers and uh like writers who write for big publishing companies so her advice to me was this that you should actually try independently publishing it because you can reach your market you don't need somebody's help to reach your market and that's becoming true right now for anybody who's creating online you reach your market before the company reaches your market and you can they you know what to say to them they are not unknown to you you talk to them every day yeah It's absolutely true. I think the way I have been writing my book is exactly that. I'm I'm talking to the audience that I know and I'm like I know who who this is for exactly. So I wonder if a publisher gets that. This is so interesting. Thank you. <laughs> I am learning a lot. <laughs> so I'm trying to get more people to do this. Yeah. I'm trying to get more people to do this because I think when different people at different levels of success different ideas do independent publishing that they will then you know just try something with a twist that i didn't think of and then i'll watch them and then i'll have something to learn for the next time so my selfish interest in asking you to do this is that i'll take up some lessons from what you end up doing <laughs> whether it's in the creation of the book whether it's in the sales process of the book whether it's in the way you package your book so there will be lots of creative ideas and creative games that you will play and all of those results will be educational for me as well yeah um another reason that i was thinking why it's so important to do it is that now i have a few copies left 
those copies have appreciated in value because now I am a bigger artist than I was in 2019. Oh, yeah. Secondly, the fact that they have appreciated in value, I am always incentivized to promote this book because I sell it. Mm-hmm. If I sell a copy today, I get 100% of that, that money. Once it is with a publisher, you only get royalties after a certain number has been breached. That was your advance on royalties that you got before. So maybe 5,000 copies. Firstly, you'll never know how many copies they sold. They never tell you ever. Secondly, you aren't incentivized, therefore, to keep promoting it because now until it reaches 5,000, you won't even see $1. So you don't know whether you're close to 5,000 or whether you're far away. Maybe you're on the verge of it and you give up because you are not seeing anything. But maybe you're really far away and you're trying and it's not working out for you because there is never going to be any return until the 5,000 mark. Mm -hmm. But I am incentivized to always talk about my book, to always share my work, to always refer to it as my first book. So this is if you're a real true fan of my work, you want it because this is the first time I did this. Right. So in I'm actually incentivized to not sell it in a sense because I want to keep some copies for five years later when it will be twice this value. So this makes me think, again, very entrepreneurial way of thinking about our work and thinking about it as, uh, tell me, please go on. Okay, so there's there's, uh, the last question that just pops up, the other ones I'll get to, was the question that Danny asked me when I got my first, um, uh, uh, when my first, a book proposal was declined. I was like, what? It's declined? He was sort of surprised. And then he was like, but anyway, Kausha, why do you want to publish a book? Why? <laughs> Nobody reads books anymore. You are great on video. You do everything on video. Why do you want a book? I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a great question, but it's just because I want it. <laughs> I want to make a book. I want to write it. I want to create it. I love the process of it. And I want to get it out into the world. I don't have a better reason than that. So, but I do do think that that is also like, okay, so why even a book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. First, I mean, everybody should think that just the way you thought, why should I have a YouTube channel? Mm-hmm. Why should I do Draw yeah, Tip course. Tuesday? Of course. Same, and you must have thought about it several times. You didn't just do it because, oh, I'm supposed to have a YouTube channel. You must have thought about why. And today, the book is just like any other media form. So yeah. it's not uh, until 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the reality was that a book is the ultimate expression of your creativity. You have a book. It signifies that you right. completed a big project. It is the way that people read you for the first time because blogs don't exist. Internet doesn't exist. The only way anybody will ever find out that you had a thought was if there's a book. Yeah. So it had that incredible status in our world that nothing else could have. Right. If you wanted to be anything creatively, you had to have a book. Or at least, uh, well... Maybe artist, you want to then be in a gallery. But again, that for an artist, the gallery idea is defeated today because you don't, that's not your only access to an audience or your only access to a money. In fact, you can be without a gallery all your life and make millions of dollars today. Uh, Similarly, why do you want a book? So in my case, I thought I had a very basic reason for wanting a book. First, 
I was a little motivated by simply always having wanted one. Mm-hmm. And my idea, I left my PhD program in the Netherlands because I was, I wanted to write a book. Oh, I did really? not think it was going to be a book about art. It was going to be a novel and oh. it's still not finished. And I'm suddenly an artist. So everything has changed. <laughs> uh, but uh, so there was this thing in me that I, I want a book. I want a book. But the more practical reason I discovered and the reason why it actually really ended up happening is that I'd sold some art and I'd sold prints of my art and I'm in this small town, right? So I'm thinking these people don't have a lot of, like Wisconsin is not a rich state. It's a poor state in the US. I'm in a small town. I'm not in a big city. Mm -hmm. So another factor for not having a lot of disposable income, how many prints of my drawings are these people going to put on their walls? Uh-huh. Even if somebody really likes my work, once he's had two, surely he doesn't want me to dominate his entire wall. Like it'll seem like he's obsessed. And once he starts having these ideas, he'll not be my, they'll not be my customers anymore. Right. But they want to be my customers, right? They want to give me money in some way because they want more value from me. The same reason why you should start a Patreon. There are people who are indebted to you mm-hmm. and they want to express that in some way. So you have to give them a platform to do so. And buy me a coffee works like that. Patreon works like that. Similarly, a book becomes a thing that I can sell to them that does not need to be on their wall. It can be on their desk now. It can yeah. be on their bookshelf now. So it can be another product out of the work I've already done. I've already made these sketches. I've already scanned them. I'm not having any words in this book. It's all art. So it's already things that are done, but I can repackage them into a new product. And then I can find out. So why I wanted a book, I want to know if I can sell a book. I want to know if I can do a book launch and if people will drive down to see me, as I found out they will. So all of these questions could be answered with a book. But yeah, Danny's question is so valid because... If millions of people watch you on YouTube, do you need do you need to put in the work for a book? Do you need right. to get all these various random authority figures who haven't heard your name before your book proposal to validate you in any way? You don't need that valid. You don't need why are you asking them for permission? Yeah. Is the real true. question. Like I think the essence of Danny's question should be: why do you need these people to do to why do you need to be beholden to anybody? you have so many subscribers. Like you have, I think, 20,000 something more subscribers on YouTube, right? I think so. I didn't check lately, but yeah, you're totally right. And I'm really thinking about this very hard right now. And also, because you also asked the question, like why would you even put the work into making this book, you know? But then I think, well, this is something my husband said. He's like, once that book is out there, you make a course about it and then a course, you know, uh, level two, and then you will create a whole thing around it. I'm sure you will just, you know, milk it like a true entrepreneur. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Once it's your book, you will be way more incentivized exactly, to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that is one of the um, uh, one of the reasons to actually self-publish too. Like you can do anything that you like. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's really good. I'm I'm really going to um, yeah, maybe uh, research all that because the thing that I I don't know anything about self publishing. The only thing 
that pops up into my mind are practical reasons not to do it. And that's like, okay, how do you do this with the book design, with the uh, uh, book printing, with the mm-hmm. distribution? Oh, no, mm-hmm. I that's too much work. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are good questions. So what I discovered was that there are, at least in the US, and I'm sure in the Netherlands as well, there are lots of uh, presses, publishing presses, which cater to independent writers and independent uh, authors. Mm-hmm. So what they do is you avail their services and you have a contract in which they have a team of designers that freelance designers that they reach out to, freelance editors that they reach out to based on the genre of your work, people who are good at art books, for example. So I spoke to a group in a publishing press in Minnesota, the neighboring state, uh, like 90 minutes away from me. And I had a meeting with them. And then they said that we have blah, blah, blah designers who have made art books and coffee table books before. Mm -hmm. Because I told them what I wanted. I said, I want a really high quality coffee table book, hardcover, which will lay flat on somebody's table so I can have two page spreads of art and it should not bend. It should be very, you know, I I, I was able to dictate those terms. And then they told me this is what it would cost. This is the kind of things that you need to give us. And then the designer on uh, who is who gets paid separately. This is the things that he he puts it together. And then he emailed me three, four, five, six times. And then we would go over how things look, what needs to be changed, the font. So I didn't have to make creative decisions. I could take strategic executive decisions. And my creative input was simply the art that I'd already made and my vision of how I wanted it to look. So he realized it for me. So this is what you end up, you end up paying for it. You end up paying for these services. And in my case, in 2019, 500 copies of the book with all the fees associated around it, everything came out to roughly $10,000 spent over eight or nine months. So Mm -hmm. in three or four installments, I spent Mm $10,000. And as I saw it, uh, my book is going to sell for $30. So $10,000 means how many copies? 300 copies and I break even. Yeah. But I ended up selling it at a little bit more and I broke even really fast on my cost. That's fantastic. Love that. Yeah, I'm really going to consider this and do some research because I think it's really interesting. And um, that's it. <laughs> I don't have an end. I, I'm learning a lot and I'm really listening to you like, wow, this is a, a great experience you had. And also listening to the many benefits of just really having all the control about the whole process. Um, you know, I'm, I, I've, I've been putting my uh, book proposal in and um, it's actually now with an editor, but somehow it's on pause. I'm like, well, I, I'm not in a hurry. It's fine. But hearing you talk like this, I somehow there's there's a spark that's like, ah, oh, yeah, I actually really don't want to wait for anyone. I just want to get going and do this thing and make it the way I have it envisioned in my mind. And I know that I will have to, um, uh, uh, how do you say that? Uh, compromise on certain things. If I work with a publisher. Right, right. And you just raised a good point that that their priorities include you perhaps, but they are not centered around you. So right. your project can go on pause 
your project can be delayed by six months, eight months, nine months. And that's not a big deal to a publishing house. Books often go through a cycle of two years. Yeah, they haven't even told me if they want it or not. It's just, you know, I'm taking it to the board and that was it. And then, you know, I got a message that it's now I need a little bit more patience. I'm okay with that, but still, you know. You don't need to do it. So, for example, I started my work on my book in January of 2019. Oh, not January of 2019. Uh, in, I think, August of 2018. Mm-hmm. And then April of 2019, everything came to my home. Yeah, that's so, fantastic because with the publisher it will take like two years before it's actually published and then you have yeah. moved on too like oh yeah i wrote that book what was it again about yeah right <laughs> you might be on a completely different project you might not it might not fit in with your promotional ideas for yeah. the next 18 months and it really completely should yeah yeah right yeah i'm also thinking about a friend of mine who also um did a, a she uh, taught a class in a sketchbook school uh, at some point she wanted to illustrate a children's book. She had the whole idea. She was working on the illustrations and she was like, you know what? I'm going to self-publish. And she's actually um, uh, a marketing manager. So she knows about marketing. She created, um, what's it called? A crowd, a crowdfunding thing. And, uh, you know, set her goal. She put it out out there and within i think one or two days she had the whole budget that she wow. <laughs> needed she already had it and she was like what <laughs> yeah oh i absolutely think if you crowdfunded on kickstarter for example you wouldn't spend even one dollar of your own money like you would definitely make all the money already from before so you could kick do a kickstarter for 200 people 200 uh, people uh, funding you and budget for 500 copies out of that and then 300 copies are for you to sell and 200 are going out to these people who supported you and they will have already paid for the whole job i have to say that all that um also sort of adds to the fun of the process because um you um by you know um uh, engaging your audience in that part of the process i think it keeps it so much alive and it's so motivating i really like that idea and i didn't i mean i sort of thought about it but not really because i was thinking about i'm going to find a publisher for this but thinking about doing something like that it's all inside of the fun that's uh, that you feel as an entrepreneur when you are doing and making something and when I think about that whole Kickstarter project and, you know, um, uh, thinking about how to figure out also how to do this whole process, it sort of excites me more than sending it off to someone and then not really knowing what happens. Exactly, exactly right. I, I was speaking to somebody who uh, is in the business of uh, venture capital, but he was telling me he had some advice for me and he said that, you have to think about the game that you want to play. And right. that's what this sort of ties into. We have to see these things as interesting things we can do and as games that we are playing as entrepreneurs as and simply creative, but entrepreneurs. So these are all different little things that you can do, which are fun, mm-hmm. which have value and deriving that value from them 
is the payoff of the game. And the more you succeed, the better you feel about it. Have you heard of this thing called the 1000 true fans model? Yes, definitely. I mean, we've talked about that very often, Danny and I, when we were talking about growth, yes or no, within Sketchbook School, yes. <laughs> right. So that's kind of what I'm thinking these days and yeah. what I'm working towards with Buy Me a Coffee and uh uh, my weekly news. I don't know if you're subscribed to the newsletter. Are I you? am. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So with the newsletter also, and let me offer you like a complimentary premium subscription because I want to share some of that uh, subscription material with you and see how what you feel about it. Oh, love that. Yeah. So uh, one of them is releasing tomorrow, incidentally. So you'll get one very quickly. Uh, I'm trying to play these games in it and I'm trying to see what becomes of value. So the older idea that you make the book and then once it is done and it is published, then you find out what anybody thinks of it as opposed to working and crowdfunding is like that, like working on it with constant uh, a feedback loop with the people vested in it who will become your customers right? and then shaping it with that reinforcement that they give you every few weeks. You, you, you keep getting the encouragement and it becomes the product that both of you want. Right, right. Yeah. All right. We've spoken for nearly another hour. <laughs> I know, but thank you for all these insights and this um, um, uh, uh, wisdom. Sorry, my words are getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I have a lot, a lot to chew on and think about. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And let, let's keep talking about it because I want to hear what ideas you get about it and so let's stay in touch about the things you think and the the obstacles you anticipate also in simply formulating an answer for you. Maybe I'll come out with some nice solutions for myself. Yeah. I'm also trying to get into YouTube these days and I'm thinking of what is the low cost method that I can do it because again, I don't want to add too much to my workload and I want to hopefully diversify from things I'm doing already. Yeah. So I will have some questions for you about how to work YouTube. Absolutely. Yes, I will uh, answer them as uh, as good as I can. And uh, yeah, you're always welcome to post any questions there. I love just stepping into each other's wisdom and experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.